Good morning, everyone. I'm Naya Swami Krishnadas, and this is Naya Swami Mantra Devi, and we're very happy to be sharing this Sunday service with you. So, welcome to you all here, and also welcome to those tuning in online. And we want to especially welcome you if it's your first time here or your first time out there. <laughs> so, I'll be reading from Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda. And these are weekly passages on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita, parallel passages. So this week we are on, Can Man See God? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. There is a saying in chapter 1 of the Gospel of St. John that would seem to respond with a definite no to the question, can man see God? The saying is, no man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Many great saints, however, claim to have seen God. If we ask then, can God be seen, rather than can man see God, the answer is yes, else those saints lied. And the scriptures themselves lied. For Jesus also said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The point is, it is not man, this human body, these human eyes that sees God. God can be seen only with spiritual vision, with the eye of the soul. As the Bhagavad Gita puts it in the 11th chapter, Thou canst not see me with mortal eyes. Therefore I now give thee sight divine. Behold my supreme power of yoga. With these words, Hari, the exalted lord of yoga, revealed himself to Arjuna in his infinite form. Paramahansa Yogananda, in Autobiography of a Yogi, describes the supernal experience in words more readily comprehensible to modern minds than the poetic phraseology of the Bhagavad Gita. The chapter, An Experience in Cosmic Consciousness, is one of the most inspiringly beautiful in all mystical literature. Here is a brief excerpt. An oceanic joy broke upon calm, endless shores of my soul. The Spirit of God, I realized, is exhaustless bliss. His body is countless tissues of light. I saw the divine dispersion of rays pour from an eternal source, blazing into galaxies, transfigured with ineffable auras. Again and again I saw the creative beams condense into constellations, then resolve into sheets of transparent flame. By rhythmic reversion, sextillion worlds passed into diaphanous luster. Mm -hmm. 
fire became firmament. I cognize the center of the Empyrean as a point of intuitive perception in my heart. A radiating splendor issued from my nucleus to every part of the universal structure. The creative voice of God I heard resounding as Om, the vibration of the cosmic motor. This, so the great masters of ear, is what God is. And this also, they insist, is what we are in our deepest reality. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. joy to be with you here today. I want to begin service by reading from Whispers from Eternity, Poems and Prayers by Paramahansa Yogananda. I'm seeing if I need my glasses or not. I think I do. Make me silent that I may eloquently converse with thee. I wandered through forests of incessant searchings and arrived at the mystery door of thy presence. On the doors of silence, I knocked loudly with my persistent blows of faith, and the doors of space opened. There, on the altar of glorious visions, I beheld thee resting. I stood with restless eyes waiting for thee to speak. I heard not thy creation-making voice, At last, the spell of stillness stole upon me and in whispers taught me the language of angels. With the lisping voice of newborn freedom, I tried to speak and the lights of thy temple assumed sudden brilliancy and wrote letters of light. In my little chamber of quietness, I am always resting. I never speak but with the voice of my silence. Through my silence, eloquently converse with me. So, this morning's topic is a good one. Earlier in the week, I happened to mention to Durga that I was giving the talk this Sunday. And she said, oh, what's the topic? And I said, can man see God? And she says, oh, just say no and sit down. (laughs) You know, we come from that vast stillness, that vast bliss, where there is no form, where God exists. And we can just imagine being part of that bliss, of that bliss in this reading. Master is talking about the stillness. And that's how he finally could converse with God. That stillness. And that stillness is that bliss. And that's where we come from. And when God sent forth that vibration that started to create the universe, then we were created with that. Now, the qualities of the universe 
and qualities that are, in, that are intrinsic in our soul, and we can get to them through our spine, are what Yogananda easily said, the eight aspects of God, and calmness, and love, and peace, and joy, sound, light, wisdom, wisdom and power. And those are always there, those, those qualities that when we access them, they feel expansive, don't they? You think of them, you feel a stillness, and you feel an expansiveness. And then we incarnate into these bodies, and we get to play with a whole new set of qualities that are intrinsic in this plane that we incarnate into. And those qualities are tied to this plane and is the fabric of it. Then we call them the gunas. And the gunas are qualities that manifest according to levels of consciousness and according to those levels of consciousness of this plane, matter, energy, and light. And so the tamas, rajas, and sattva. And so we're manifesting those qualities all the time. We have no choice because we have to play with them. You know, in the Mahabharata, they uh, liken all these qualities with different characters. So personify the qualities. And one exemplifies this one. Another, Bhima, the vitality of the heart. And Arjuna, that fiery self-control. Yudhisthira is that calmness, that sense of dharma. And then there are lots and lots of other ones that portray less than high qualities. So the core of us are all those past bad habits and those qualities that we are tied to through the gunas. And the pandavas are those higher qualities. So when we come to this plane and we start playing with them, we have lots of choices, lots and lots of choices. And it's, it's interesting because uh, someone once asked Swami Kriyananda about visions. And he said, now, Ramakrishna said that he could have, he, that he had visions with uh, Krishna and Kali. He says, but how is the universe structured that by, uh, how is the universe structured that an entity that doesn't exist anymore as Krishna and an entity that never existed, Kali, how can they be seen in a vision? And is this real or is it just mythical? Is it just imagination? And Swamiji immediately answered, he said, he said, no, they are just a collection of qualities, just like you and I. And that when you focus hard enough with enough energy and concentration on these qualities, then you pull them out of the cosmos. We know that Master had many visions, and we also know his power of concentration, that he would sit up all night just with his heart, with his concentration, with his energy, and he would pray to have Kali come to him or to have Divine Mother come. And he would have those visions come because of that energy. So then they go back into the cosmos, right? That collection of qualities that Swami said, just like us. We are a collection of qualities. 
That's an interesting thought, isn't it? And um, I'm going to come back to that. But I wanted to talk about the power of thought and the magnetic power of it and the magnetism. Swami Kriyananda said that the, each thought and God created an infinite amount of thoughts. Like, well, there's no way we can come up with a new thought. He's already thought of that thought. <laughs> so it's with, we're tuning into whatever thought it is. And he said that each thought has its own little magnetism and its own energy. And so when we tune into a thought, then we are giving it energy. And the thought is imbued with as much magnetism as we give it energy. The more energy we get, give to a thought, the more it has that magnetism and it pulls us into it. He said you can be drawn into any delusion that you, that you choose just by concentrating on it and just by thinking of it. And so that's what happens when we start thinking about something. We start thinking about a fault or we start thinking of of something negative, what happens? That thought starts pulling us in, and it starts creating a bigger and bigger magnetism. He said this is what happened with Judas, is that Judas had a fascination with outer uh, recognition. And because of that fascination, he started getting drawn into the thought of money, personal power, recognition, and it started from him wanting Jesus to be more recognized, that he wanted outer recognition for Jesus, which Jesus didn't care about. But since Judas, of course, wanted that for himself, then he started getting drawn into that thought. And that thought created more and more magnetism. And Swami said, and it was just like a vortex of energy pulling him down. And so he got pulled into this thought, and uh, then after a while, a thought will lose its magnetism, and he was kind of like spewed out the other end. And by then, it had lost its magnetism, and he realized with great horror the evil that he had brought about. And so he killed himself. That was his solution to that. But so when we think of these thoughts... And the thoughts that we want, you, you're coming at a thought, you know, and you start thinking it, okay, time to stop. Change your energy towards another thought. Because that thought will start to have magnetism. And the more you focus on it, the more it will come and sort of eat you up. So um, with qualities, this is the same thing. The qualities that we want to focus on are the ones that will help bring us higher, right? But just a minute, I want, want to first say, Paramahansa Yogananda was giving a talk in, um, about reincarnation, and he did a little exercise with the group, and he talked about what you need to think about and be at the end of your life, but he did this little exercise, and let's do it together. Just close your eyes and think back over your life. Think about your life. Remember what happened. Okay. 
So now as you thought about your life, what came to mind? Did you think about your failings? Did you think about the trauma that happened to you? Or did you think of the blessing? And he said, it's very, very important to think of your life in terms of blessings. And probably a lot of us were a mixture, you know? All kinds of things have happened. Good things and not good things. And, but it's a, it's a matter of training ourselves and training ourselves more and more to always think of the positive and always think of the, the blessings that come from things. You know, everything stems from that thought. And that's where we come from, that thought. So as we look at ourselves, and I love the thought of we are a collection of qualities. That's simply all we are. And qualities, they're very real to us. Very, very real. This is the, the most real thing that there is. It's our reality. Until it's not our reality. Until we no longer give that thought, that quality energy. And then what happens? You, you felt, oh, you had such a desire. You had such an attachment. You had such a um, feeling of resentment. You, you got angry. That was so real. That was really real last week. And suddenly this week, it's not real anymore. Where did it go? It's just gone. So it's no longer the reality. And thinking of ourselves in the concept of qualities, then think about what are the qualities that you exemplify or would like to exemplify? Many, uh, many of us have Sanskrit names or people have Hebrew names that you know the meaning of or other ethnic names. You know, what's the meaning? What's the meaning of your name? You know, Catherine means purity. Um, Sahaja means ease of spirit and the true nature. And Prem Shanti, Prem means love and Shanti means, means peace. It's like peace through the heart and sending that out, being a channel for that peace to come out. Well, what's your quality? What is the quality that you would like to exemplify? I like thinking of myself as a concept rather than a person. <laughs> because it, it gets me out of that box that, that I am this way. You know, I'm Montredavy. What, what is Montredavy? You know, this collection of qualities that um, instead, just thinking that I am a channel. Well, my name means the repetition of Divine Mother's love. So when I think that, I think, okay, that's what I am. I am this, this channel for Divine Mother. And it gets me out of my littleness. It gets me out of my, my petty things, that I am this way, or I feel this way, or, or I like this, or I don't like that. All I am is that, Divine Mother's love. If I go to that, it's very, very simple. And when I go to not defining myself, you know, rather than when someone asks what I do or who I, what my job is, well, I share master's teachings with people. I help people try to see what's their next step rather than saying, oh, I teach at the Expanding Light or I'm a teacher. You know, it's like, it's like I really try to do that because being that definition of who you are and what you do 
it just locks us in once again. Once again, when really that's not real. That's not who we are. We are that bundle of self-definitions that can be changed in a moment. We're that, that set of qualities that can be changed in a moment. All we have to do is focus in the other way. And when we do that, then we start the energy and the magnetism with something else going. And we go in a different direction. It's so simple and so hard to do, isn't it? But we have to train ourselves. And we have to train ourselves with energy, with meditation. We've been given the tools with service, with all the things that our, our teachings give us, we have to do. We have to get, change those qualities so that they're bringing us upwards. They're not bringing us into the lower parts of our, into the matter, into the guna of matter, the guna that brings us down, the inertia. We want to go to the higher gunas of light. And so as... Um, well, one story about training is Davy, when they were helping start our work in Italy, and they were up in Lake Como, and it was cold, and it was, there was no heat, and they were, didn't have communication. Um, Davy and Jyotish had left their son back here at the village. In fact, my husband and I took care of their son for six months while they were there. And they couldn't phone very often, and they didn't even really have enough to eat sometimes. And so she was getting discouraged. And she said, every day I would go, oh, another day. And be, that discouragement was getting more. And finally one day she, she thought, oh, Davy, you, you've really set a record here for discouragement. <laughs> you know? It's like I have to do something. And so she went and she got a Christmas card, an old Christmas card that had the word joy on it. And she said she taped it up to the window in their unheated room. <clears throat> and she focused on that. And she focused on joy. And she focused on joy. And she said and in two weeks, she was brimming with joy. And so it's, that's how simple it really is. It's what do we focus on? And that's what is going to bring us into that reality. That's the reality. Swami Kriyananda is our best and one most wonderful example. When Swamiji one time, somebody invited a couple to have dinner with them, one of our members, and this couple, through the whole dinner, just were at each other. And the other person was getting embarrassed and feeling really bad for Swami that he had to put up with this. And afterwards, he apologized to Swami, and he said, um, you know, I'm so sorry the way that they behaved. And Swamiji said, oh, I hadn't really noticed their behavior. I was just sending light. So you see, being a beacon of light, being a beacon of love, and our world needs it so badly right now. Jyotish and Devi at During Inner Renewal Week were saying that over and over again. You know, that we need to be a beacon of light, a beacon of joy in this world right now. And so how can we do that? By exemplifying those qualities that will bring us closer to God, that will bring us into that spirit. And 
you know, the qualities, the reality of them in the Mahabharata, how they personify them, and Paramahansa Yogananda exemplified them, and he would talk about personally personalizing them. And um, he would talk about Mr. Soul and Mr. Sorrow, and that kind of thing. And he, um, one time Anandi likened it to the qualities coming to a party. And I was getting ready for service, and a little story popped out. Um, it just sort of wrote itself. And so I'd like to tell you this little story. It's called The Qualities Party. And I was, it was a Saturday morning, and I was upstairs in my attic room. I was getting to a project that I had been longing to get to. And my good friends, contentment and happiness, were helping me. And my sister, in the moment, had come for a very rare visit. I hardly ever see her. And so I was just really enjoying her presence. And my brother Meditation had just left, and we had had a really nice visit. And so we were having a nice time, the four of us. And after a while, I heard the door open downstairs, and someone called my name. It was my cousin Restless. And he was calling me, so I got up, went downstairs, and he had brought a friend with him. He had brought his friend um, fault finding. <laughs> and so, restless and fault finding, and I, we went in the sitting room and um, we're talking. And after a while, I heard the door open and I heard people coming in. And Restless says, oh yeah, I invited some of our friends and relatives to come over. <laughs> and so I got up and I went into the dining room. I started to go into the dining room, and, but I caught a glimpse of my two least favorite cousins and their vices and bad habits. And I just wanted to avoid them. So I went into the kitchen instead. And there was Mr. Greed. He was rummaging through the fridge. And, and I think, who said he could eat, you know? I mean, he's just helping himself. And so I went into the living room, and there the, my first caught a glimpse of rejection. And he was sitting near the fire. He was trying to get warm. He's, he's always cold, <laughs> and for some reason. And then there was Aunt Desire looking beautiful as usual. She was sitting there on the couch with her two daughters, false happiness and sorrow. <laughs> and, you know, I'm really drawn to Aunt Desire. You know, we, I have her over for tea pretty often. And we have these great conversations. She has, she has, she has all kinds of good ideas. You know, things we can do, places we can go, adventures we can have, things we can buy. She's great. <laughs> and then I I'm, I'm decide to look around a little more in the house, and, and um, I see, but before I leave, I see poor little self-pity. She's sitting in the corner, and she's just looking so apart from things, like that's how she feels. And then I notice that the door to the basement is open, and so I tiptoe down the stairs, and there in the storage room, are Miss Nostalgia and Attachment. And they're going through photo albums. And they're, 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 
they're in the storage room, and they're they're um, ooing and awing over the past things that are happening, and so they're having a good time, and worries down there with them too. But she's not paying much attention. She's thinking. You know, I can see she's caught up in her thoughts. And then I hear this racket. What's this noise I hear? It's coming from upstairs. I go upstairs, and there in one of the rooms is anger and frustration, and they're having a great argument. I mean, really arguing. They're really going at it. And then I look in the guest room, and there, there's a little party of three, and there's Mr. Judgmental, Miss Gossip, and Destructive Criticism. <laughs> and they're talking really animatedly. <clears throat> and you can tell. <clears throat> you can tell... <clears throat> Excuse me. You can tell that they think they're having a very good time. And I go down the hallway, and as I pass by the office, I see a low self-image in there playing computer games all by himself. And and I go down as I go down the stairs, I pass doubt, and he's got a very serious look on his face, serious doubts, and. I think, who are all these people? I, 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 these are my friends and relatives. I'm not enjoying this. Who invited them here? I don't even want them here. I'm not enjoying this party. It's really, uh, I just have to get out of here. And so I push past my auntie too tired. And <laughs> she's... <laughs> She's such a drag. You know, she's, she's continually exhausted, and she refuses to do what she needs to do to bring her energy up. It's just, what can you do? So I burst out of the house, out into the sunshine. <clears throat> and there, I see a whole nother group of my family and friends, a whole different group. They're outside, enjoying the fresh air and the sunshine. And... I see love and compassion under a tree, sitting quietly talking. I see my cousins, even-minded and cheerful, walking through the garden. And willpower and concentration are immersed in a game of chess. And power is energizing with great gusto out on the lawn. He has a lot of energy. And there I see wisdom, and he's sitting on the patio swing with calmness and peace. <clears throat> when, meanwhile, Light and Joy are choreographing a new dance. And my heart just swells and opens to see all my dear friends out here. And then I think, oh man, those characters in my house, I really want to get rid of them. I don't know, I don't know what to do. Well, I think I'll ask Wisdom's advice. <clears throat> Wisdom says, you don't have to have them over. He said, you're so nice to them. You give them energy, you talk to them, you feed them. You have this open-door policy to your house. You know, you don't need to do that. Stop giving them energy. And when they come to the door, say, I don't want you here, or ignore them. He said, you know, it's up to you who you want in your life, and it's your choice. Do you want to keep being unhappy? and miserable, or do you want to be happy? 
It's really up to you. Then he said, here's an idea. Why don't you take willing, um, willpower and concentration with you for moral support and um, go in there and just tell them all to leave? And he said, but first, you have to make a decision. Do you want to be unhappy or continue being unhappy? Do you want to be happy or continue being unhappy? And I said, I want to be happy. I made the decision. And so willpower and concentration and I start towards the house. And as we do, everyone else jumps up and says, we'll come with you. And so here I am surrounded by my dear friends, love and compassion, light and joy, even-mindedness and cheerful, calmness and peace. And I can feel the reassuring presence of wisdom and power behind me. And so we all go into the house, and it's empty. There's no one there. No one in the kitchen, no one in the dining room or living room. The downstairs door is closed. It's quiet upstairs. They've gone. I can't believe it. They've just all left, just like that. And then we hear voices, and we go into the sitting room, and there's a beautiful scene. There are love and parents, heavenly joy, and divine mother love sitting on the couch, and my most favorite dear sister sitting on a pillow on the floor, devotion. And guess who they're visiting? My guru, Paramahansa Yogananda. And I look at him as I gaze at him lovingly. He looks different. He looks sort of like he's reminding me of Jesus Christ. And then, well, it's changing. He's looking like a king, San Fernando III. And now the image is broadening. He's looking like another king, William the Conqueror. But now his sword is changing into a bow. And I see Arjuna sitting in his seat. And then he transforms into another feature that I don't recognize. I don't know that person. And another one. And another one. And then gradually he comes back to my beloved guru, Paramahansa Yogananda. And for he is that channel that God gave me, that pure channel, that through him I may see his celestial being through the divine form of my guru. I want to read something that our guru said. The greatest romance is with the infinite. You have no idea how beautiful life can be when suddenly you find that wherever you are, wherever you are, God comes and talks to you and guides you. The romance of divine love has started. <laughs> 